Hello everyone, James Foey here, producer of the show. Just wanted to let you know that this week we'll be taking a look back at our episode on the film X-Men Apocalypse. This, of course, spurred on by the recent release of X-Men Dark Phoenix on June 7th of this year. Now, this film, uh, Dark Phoenix, has been critically panned and has done very poorly at the box office. You, our listener, almost certainly haven't seen it. But I think... We're all still very interested in the X-Men franchise and the history of those characters, which is why I think you'll still enjoy this episode as Claire and Kyle delve into it. Also, Kyle, please get better, and Claire, please come home. Hello, I'm Kyle Willoughby, and joining me is Claire White. Hi. And this is Dragons, Sexy Robots, and Adventures, A Nerd Manual. We are here to discuss new nerd creations, how they were made, and explore the roots of the characters and the stories. Right, Claire? Super right. Today we are talking about X-Men Apocalypse, the third installment in the revamp of the X-Men franchise from Fox, and that movie came out on May 27th of 2016. Um, I will be discussing history of X-Men, the characters, where they came from, and, and kind of the inception of the X-Men, and Claire will be telling us about the production of the movie. Right, Claire? Sure will. So let me just launch into the history of X-Men. A brief history of X-Men, by the way, because they have, a, you know, there's a lot there. They've been around for a while. How many X-Men are there? So many. There's so many X-Men, and they're, as they go in and out, some people will, like, be X-Men sometimes and not other times, and, and it's it gets confusing. It's, it's just mostly about mutants in the Marvel Universe. And what are mutants? Mutants, that's a good question, actually, because... A lot of people forget that, um, like the Fantastic Four, you know, they have, they all have powers. They're not mutants, though. Right, and Fantastic Four are another set of superheroes from, from the Marvel from world. the Marvel universe. Yeah. So yeah, like Spider Man, also human, bit by radioactive spider, gains superpowers. So essentially, mutants are born with powers. They're born this way. They have a gene that gives them a superpower, and that gene will normally manifest itself around puberty, but not always, sometimes later, sometimes earlier. Um, whereas a lot of other superheroes are just the quote-unquote victims of some sort of accident, like Spider-Man's radioactive spider or the Fantastic Four getting pelted with gamma radiation gives them superpowers. And so that's a huge thing in the Marvel Universe, actually, because a lot of the like the public in the Marvel Universe and the governments are concerned about mutants more than they're concerned necessarily about humans with superpowers. Why? Uh, and they play it up as like a race thing. It's like mutants are different from humans, and so, you know, they're like a separate race, and they're discriminated against, and they're considered freaks and weirdos. And But Spider-Man not it necessarily isn't, yeah. Now, people in Marvel Universe, they don't know that Spider-Man's human because he's got a secret identity, so a lot of them probably think he's a mutant. But he's not. But he's not. But Captain America. People know Captain America is not a mutant, even though he's got superpowers. You know, he was given that super soldier serum, and he's super strong, super fast. So they trust him. So they trust him. He's a human. Not one of those gross, funny-looking mutants. Okay. Now, the X-Men came out of Marvel Comics, and Marvel Comics were originally known as Timely Publications and then later as Atlas Comics. They didn't become Marvel Comics until 1961. And in 1963, the X-Men were created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. I know those names. Yes, yes. Stan the Man Lee and Jack Kirby, they pretty much created all your 
favorite superheroes <laughs> nowadays. And one of the so one of the cool things about the X Men, like I said, they were mutants. They weren't humans with superpowers. Also, they were teenagers. So the original X Men team consisted of Professor X, who we all know, bald guy, wheelchair, telepathic powers, the most powerful mutant mind in history. He's a, like a, a super level mutant. And then there's Cyclops, who leads the X Men. His name is Scott Summers, and he's got he shoots a concussive beam from his eyes concussive like it'll knock you back it's not going to burn you which is something that I, f- I think a lot of a lot of screen like scott summers on the screen is it's been kind of played out wrong uh gene gray also known as marvel girl and she had telekinetic powers she couldn't read minds originally she could only lift stuff up with her mind and like use it and you throw it as a weapon there was ice man bobby drake and he originally kind of looked like a snowman but eventually was like sleeked out a little bit more. It's more ice. human. Yeah, form. yeah. He looked. He th- there are some comics where he literally looks like Frosty the Snowman. And he just is good with ice. He can freeze water vapor and kind of control ice and water vapor in the air and, and can control ice and use it as a weapon or, or defense. There is Angel, who is uh, Warren Worthington, who has angel wings and hollow bones, and he later develops like a, a healing factor. But he can fly, and he's a super rich playboy, like blonde hair. Yeah, he's in the movie. He's in the movie, but he's not... The angel. He's not the same kind of angel from the original uh, X-Men comics. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, there was Beast, who I really like. Uh, Hank McCoy. Kyle has the biggest grin on his face right now. (laughs) Beast was pretty cool. He's not my favorite X-Men, but he's, he's pretty cool. So originally, Beast wasn't blue. Really? No, it wasn't blue. It wasn't fuzzy either. I mean, he was like a... Who is this guy? I know. He was, he was kind of like a hairy dude, but he was like a almost normal-looking person, just with really big arms and really big legs, and he swings around everywhere. He's really acrobatic. But he's also super smart. Like, Beast is, is was always very, very tech-savvy and very smart, and, and he was very cultured. Oh. Yeah. So I, I've always liked him. So one of the biggest conflicts in the X-Men comics uh, starts right from the get-go, and it's loosely based off of the philosophical differences between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, who were civil rights leaders during the time where the X-Men were just coming out in the 60s. Now, Martin Luther King Jr., obviously, I think a lot of us know, was was very peaceful in, in fighting for rights for African Americans. And Malcolm X, who was not afraid to use the threat of violence to help fight for rights for African Americans. So Professor X is loosely based off of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And Magneto is loosely based off of Malcolm X. I don't think, I mean, you could maybe argue this, but Magneto, pretty bad dude. I don't think there's that many, I don't think you can compare him that well with Malcolm X. Yeah, Malcolm X chilled out a lot later in life. Magneto stays pretty hardcore. <laughs> now, with this like these this lofty basis for X Men, you'd think that like, wow, that's really high minded, and this must be like an amazing comic. I know in they're the 60s. really going for it. When you look at their '60s comics, it's kind of like Monster of the Week stuff. It, they don't really tackle that many big issues. <laughs> You know, like one week they're fighting a dude who's half pterodactyl. Yeah, and... but it's it's the sixties. <laughs> yeah, that's this and is you have true. to give them credit for for yeah for making that the basis. And one of the cool things I think about early X Men is they a lot of the a lot of the characters and and just parts of the X Men world that were in from the very beginning are still around. Like they have a lot of staying power. Danger Room, the Danger Room where they train, is in the very first issue. Magneto, one of the greatest villains of all time. 
very first issue of X-Men. Now, in 1975, they decided to do an X-Men revamp, and it was called Giant Size X-Men Number 1. And it opens with Professor X traveling around the world to recruit new X-Men. And these are where a lot of the X-Men, you know, a lot of the big, big X-Men staples come from. So first scene is, is Professor X going to Germany to re- recruit Kurt Kurt Wagner, or Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner, also known as the Nightcrawler, who can teleport around. Um, yeah, he's got teleporting abilities. He's blue, kind of looks like a devil. Um, and he's a, kind of a swashbuckler, but also the most religious of all the X-Men. In fact, at one point, he considers becoming a Catholic priest. Now, next, you see Professor X getting on a plane and flying to Canada, where he goes to recruit Wolverine from the Canadian government to join his team. And uh, Professor X had known about Wolverine because Wolverine had once fought the Hulk. He was sent by the Canadian government to take out the Hulk. The Canadian government. Yeah, the Canadian government wanted the Hulk out. So. <laughs> and so obviously Wolverine wasn't able to beat the Hulk, but he, he survived. And Professor X is like, wow, that guy is really good. I want him on my team. You find out later, though, that Professor X actually didn't fly to Canada to recruit Wolverine. Wolverine was sent to assassinate Professor X by the Canadian by government. the Canadian government, <laughs> and Professor X wiped his wiped his mind and put those What's those fake the memories. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Why are the Canadians coming after the X Men? <laughs> <laughs> there, you had a great villain in communist Russia at that time, <laughs> um, which is actually X Professor X flies to communist Russia to recruit uh, uh, another mutant for the X Men. A guy named Colossus, who was working on a communist farm in Russia and was, like, very, you know, very proud and loved his family and has the ability to cover himself in metal and, and has super strength. So Professor X goes and talks to him and is like, hey, I want you to be on our X-Men because you got this great power. And Colossus is like, well, shouldn't my power belong to the state? And Professor X is like, no. <laughs> it should belong to the world. You should help the world. Like, you, you get to decide. Canada. <laughs> Against Canada. <laughs> right? The menace. The red menace. <laughs> the silly maple leaves. <laughs> so he recruits Colossus. He then go. he travels all around the world. He goes to Kenya where he finds um, Storm, also known as Aurora Monroe, and she's being worshipped as a goddess. And and he goes and Is recruits her. Is she the first her. black mutant? She's, I don't know if she's the first black mutant, but she's the first black X-Men. Okay. For sure. So she's in Kenya being worshipped as a goddess, like I said before, and Professor X goes and recruits her, and she has the power to control the weather through psionic ability. She can, you know, call down lightning on you or wind, rain, whatever. She can also make it really sunny if you want to have a Good nice day? day at the beach. Yeah. Uh, funny, funny thing about Storm, too, is that she's a nudist. Oh. And so throughout the X-Men comics, there'll be times where, like, she'll just be naked and shock the other characters, and they're all a little uncomfortable with it. And when Professor X first meets her, she's topless with very conveniently placed hair in the panels. <laughs> Long, flowing white hair that's very conveniently placed. So Professor X also goes to a bunch of other places. He goes to Japan, where he recruits this guy Sunfire, who's got fire abilities. Uh, his name is Shiro Yoshida. And Shiro Yoshida hates Western civilization because he got his powers from his mother, who was in Hiroshima when the bomb was dropped and eventually was killed with radiation. Okay. And he also goes to Arizona where he recruits Thunderbird, who is an Apache. His name is is John Proudstar, and he's got kind of electrical abilities. And also there's an Irish guy named Sean Cassidy, and he's also known as the Banshee. (laughs) 
And he he had appeared in in previous Marvel comics as well as like sometimes a good guy, sometimes kind of a shady guy. Uh, but he's recruited by Professor X to join the new X-Men. And uh, his powers are he's got this, you know, like a banshee scream where he can immobilize you with his voice and and make you kind of uh, knock you out or, or freeze you in your tracks with his voice. And and I think I think he can do like he can make you lose control of your bowels or something with his voice. Too. I remember reading that there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a That's great a good power. one. <laughs> That'll distract someone. I will make you poop yourself. <laughs> I wonder our if you fa- ever got that off on Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> it's our favorite power, guys. Yes. So that was Giant Size X-Men number one. And right after Giant Size X-Men number one, Chris Claremont took over writing X-Men. And this guy went on an insane roll of awesome X-Men comics. He did, he did the whole Phoenix arc and the Dark Phoenix, and, and he's really a, a legendary name when it comes to X-Men. So right. I, I and Phoenix is something we'll get into later. Yeah, Phoenix is something we'll get. It was, it was a story arc in the X-Men that, that's, that's well-known and, and very well-renowned. So I also wanted to mention Apocalypse in this history of X-Men because he is in the title of the film <laughs> we're kind of discussing. <laughs> um, so Apocalypse was a, a bit of a later villain. He didn't come around until 1986. And he was created by uh, Luis Simonson and Jackson Geis. And uh, they wanted to create a character who was going to be like another big staple villain, like a Magneto in the X-Men world. They wanted this A-level villain with with really superpowers to be like a good arch enemy for the X-Men because a lot of times they'd been, you know, they'd been in space fighting galactic empires and they'd been... When they're combined, they're super powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, so they needed a big, big epic villain and apocalypse is in in the the story of x-men is maybe the first mutant he says he's the first mutant but it's arguable in comics it seems like he's the first mutant um and he's got a whole slew of of different superpowers different mutant abilities um his powers include total control over all the molecules of his body which allow him to to kind of change his body to suit any situation and it allows him to to give himself other superhuman powers. Like he can make himself super strong. He can turn his arms into weapons. He can make himself stretchy. He can make himself like like jelly. Like you ever seen octopus try and squeeze through a tiny hole? Yeah, and they can. like in Terminator. Kinda, like in Terminator. You can kind of do that. And so he's from ancient Egypt. His his real name is En Saba Nur. And uh, he's also immortal. He just can't die, which is kind of a little, little cheating, I think. Can you kill him? <laughs> No, he pretty much can't be killed. I, I I don't think there's any case where he has been killed. Um, but he also possesses ancient technology of the Celestials. And in Marvel Comics, the Celestials are like kind of the ancient beings who are around at the dawn of the universe. And so they have amazing technology, and Apocalypse, Apocalypse got his hands on some of that technology. So it makes him even more powerful. He can hibernate himself for like a thousand years like he does oftentimes in the comics like that's a plot line apocalypse will wake up or someone will accidentally wake up apocalypse and then all hell breaks loose and i remember as a kid he was always the x-men villain who scared me the most he's big and blue and he can make himself giant because he controls his molecules and uh magneto you know was scary and bad but you also kind of like him as a kid but for me apocalypse was was the scary one the scary one yeah uh so claire what can you tell me about production of the movie well this is the ninth X-Men movie 
in the X-Men universe. This is including Deadpool. Yeah, they have made a ton. Yeah, of they have, well. Movies. And it's the third movie of this particular reboot of the X-Men movies, and it's supposed to wrap up the trilogy. Okay. And the, the trilogy that started with X-Men First Class, where they brought in the whole new oh, cast. Oh, really? To really give you the full scope of the production details, I'm going to take us back to the beginning, which is 1993. Oh, yeah. Do you know what was happening in 1993? Grunge. Yes. And <laughs> Marvel else? was going <laughs> bankrupt. Uh, and they, they had on the grunge train. Yeah. <laughs> they had to do something. So instead of hopping on the grunge train, grunge train, they actually sold Fox the rights to X-Men. Uh, and then four years later, they gave them the right, sold them the rights to Fantastic Four. Okay. And the contract isn't public, but from what I can gather, especially when you look at deals that have been said to be made by yeah, other contracts yeah. between Marvel and Fox, is that every seven years, Fox has to make an X Men movie to keep the rights. They had to do that with Daredevil, and they, they had to do with lost Daredevil the, the rights. To yes, that. and Fantastic Four. Okay. They have to do that with. So, Fox made X Men in two thousand. And it is credited with kicking off the superhero genre. Actually, you could also credit Blade, which came out in 1998. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, but X-Men was the first one to actually take it very seriously. Okay. It, the movie does fairly well, gets good reviews, isn't the hugest hit, and the hugest hit, the biggest yeah, hit yeah, in the world. Yeah. But in 2003, X2 came out, the sequel, and it got great reviews, did twice as well, was a huge hit. Yeah. Um, very, I loved it. That's still my favorite of all the X-Men Yeah, movies. I need to rewatch it. While I was doing all this yeah, research, I had I, this hankering for X2. I wonder if it holds up. X2 no time. I know, yeah. I know. We can talk about that later, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, in between then and now, a bunch of superhero movies have come out. Yeah. Some of them good, some of them not as good. The uh, Christopher Nolan Batman, the Spider-Man, two Spider-Man incarnations. Franchises, yeah. Yeah, Fantastic Four, ones. Daredevil, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And also, Marvel merged with Disney. Yeah. And they are no longer going bankrupt. <laughs> they are doing very well. So it's said that Marvel now wants to get its characters back. Yeah. By the way, I think that seven every seven years you have to make an X movie contract is crazy. That's they a must exhausting. have been going bankrupt. Not yeah. even that, but just to let go of your characters for that. Yeah, you that's could true. lose them forever. There's only screen rights though, right? They still have the comics. They, yeah, they still yeah. have comics. But still, that's a especially the way the world is heading. No. Anyway, we're gonna yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So there's also sort of a feud between Marvel and Fox, partially because Marvel wants well, it said Marvel wants to get the characters back. It's a secret feud because it's not public at all. This yeah. is all little things that you're looking for. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about it because I love this stuff. <laughs> it's gossip. Juicy gossip. Juicy gossip that doesn't hurt anyone's <laughs> feelings, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the people involved, but I, In the end, they're, they're not listening to this. They're making tons of money, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, right now they're doing okay. Well, the feud apparently started in 2001 when... Uh, Marvel made a TV show called Mutant X that ran for three seasons. And they didn't have the rights to X-Men or the Mutants. And yet they made this TV show and then Fox sued them. And this is when ooh. Marvel, yeah, ooh, and Marvel lost the right to use the term mutant. mutant. They can use, they have the Inhumans though in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, right. which it's is the term not, they created because yeah, they couldn't say huge, mutant. Because they can't say mutant. That's a really So funny. that happened. Now let's, Fast forward to 2013, 14, 15, and this is where you see the quote-unquote feud 
flare up again. Because more money's in it now. Oh than yeah, in and also Marvel has the money and the muscle They've to flex. Yeah. So apparently there was a bit of a battle over who owned the rights to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, who are two mutants. They are the children of Magneto, yes. the big baddie. Yes. But they're also Avengers. So both studios had the rights to them. And what I read happened is that Marvel announced that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch would be in Age of Ultron. And then, right after that, Fox said that Quicksilver would be in Days of Future Past. Yeah, there's two Quicksilvers, briefly. So there was a lot of back-and-forth negotiations between the companies. And eventually what I think happened is that Fox got Quicksilver and Marvel got Scarlet Witch because both of them are in Age of Ultron, but... This is kind of a spoiler, but it's a very old spoiler because this movie came out a while ago. Quicksilver dies. Yeah. However, he lives in uh, the X-Men franchise. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what happened. Then, through the comics, Marvel announced that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were never actually mutants. Their father (laughs) is not Magneto. And they were failed experiments of this character called the High Evolutionary, who is obsessed with superhumans. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, gotcha, Fox. Yeah. (laughs) We got you right where we want you. And also, Marvel had forbidden their, um, their comic creators from creating new mutants. Really? Yeah, I can't yeah, create Indians. They're, they're really trying the to little things that they were doing Fox. through the comic books, which doesn't yeah. like really affect Fox because Fox still has the right to all of these. Yeah. But it's like Marvel doing what it can. And there's all these articles that it's are limited. like, no, it's not. They're not doing this because what does it really affect Fox? But if yeah. it's all in a row, they're doing it. Yeah. They canceled the ongoing Fantastic Four comic right before the movie came out. Oh, Now, really? the comic wasn't doing well, but don't you think if you have a major blockbuster coming out, you, you would, would keep, keep the, the comic, comic going? going? No, that's true. They also killed Wolverine. Really? Yeah, which, I mean, it's comics, like we he's talked about be before. Yeah. Wolverine will be back. He's not yeah. Uncle Ben. Yeah. Um, He's, you know, even Bucky came back, so Wolverine yeah. can come yeah. back. Yeah. But they killed Wolverine. No way. <laughs> So there's also a thing with the merchandise because Marvel only sees a small amount of the re- revenue from the merchandise from the characters in the Fox films. Oh, really? So the all the McAvoy Professor X's aren't giving Marvel Yeah, that but much have money. you seen a lot of McAvoy Professor X's? I actually haven't. You're right. Because uh, Hasbro action figures, the only mutant that they've produced recently is Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Now, that might be changing. I'll get into that later. Yeah. But, no. Just Scar- Scarlet Witch is the only mutant you can really? get. Really? No Magneto toys, huh? Yeah. You also, they're withdrawing a license to use X-Men and Fantastic Four products from anything, so you can't make posters with them anymore. What? They, also, on the t-shirts, basically, they took an icon. They'll take iconic comic book Yeah, panels. Panels. And, yeah. And, and they'll covers. Photoshop all the um, Fox people out of there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, again, these articles are like, what can they do with the merch? It's not really hurting Fox. They can still make their movies. But I think it's also the idea that kids grow up playing with these characters. So if you can't grow up playing with your Wolverine, it's not— I had a Wolverine. And it had retractable claws. Pretty cool. I mean, it's funny because it is still their stuff. It's Marvel's characters, and it's almost like they're— Stabbing themselves to, to stab to, the enemy. To get Fox, yeah, they're hurting themselves to hurt Fox. Yeah, but they, they're doing it. Isn't this juicy gossip? This isn't it is great? juicy gossip. 
Um, well, apparently things have gotten better. So as of 2016 in March, thing, things articles are much more positive. Okay. They're they started producing more X-Men comics. And they're working on TV shows with Fox. Marvel and Fox are working on Hellfire and Legion for FX okay. and Fox. That's really good, actually. Apparently, the negotiations with characters for Deadpool went really well. And it's said by some people that there is a chance that X-Men and Avengers could merge into a movie. Don't count on it, but it could happen. Yeah. it's The, the world just seems so different. I feel like they need even more X-Men movies. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's apparently relations are much better. Okay. And I'm going to talk really briefly about Brian Singer, the director. He, some people consider him the godfather of the superhero franchises because he actually directed the very first X-Men in 2000. Yeah. He came to fame with the film The Usual Suspects. That yeah. was his big breakout. I really like that movie, too. Yes, and he wasn't a comic book guy. He said that he took the X-Men project because he uh, was really into Star Trek as a kid, and he wanted to direct something in the sci-fi fantasy genre. See, I always assumed he was a comic book guy because of the X-Men movie, and then he went right to do Superman, Superman Returns. Return. Right I think he's that. a comic book guy now. Okay. Um, he also he made the first X-Men characters actually based on the animated series instead of the comics. He took the most popular characters from there. Okay. Which is a way to do it. That was really popular. Yeah. Um, we mentioned he directed Superman Returns. He directed the X2. He um, This whole new reboot he's been very involved with. He for, produced the first one, which is X-Men First Class. Yeah. Um, he directed Days of Future Past, and then he directed Apocalypse. Okay. They um, There's talks of more X-Men movies coming out. He probably won't direct them. He's actually set to do 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea. 20,000. 20, yeah, 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that deep. <laughs> it's a little time. It's, yeah, it's a new, it's a kid, new franchise. It's, that's the kiddie pool of <laughs> yeah, Jules Verne. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. Um, he's set to direct that, and he has said in interviews that while he loves the series and he always wants to be somewhat involved, he doesn't want to be known for just directing this. Yeah. Also, the writer, Simon Kinberg, he is known as the X-Men franchise coordinator. I think of him kind of as like the Kevin Feig of Marvel. That's what oh, okay. I, I assume that he's doing. If they had someone like that. Yeah, and he has uh, worked on, written for uh, Days of Future Past, X-Men Last Stand, the Fantastic Four reboot, and he's a producer for a lot of the Marvel stuff that Fox does. Some like, of those movies aren't that well No, respected. no. <laughs> but he knows the world, yeah, has yeah, been involved yeah. in it. Um, he's the one who actually released a statement saying that Fox and Marvel could work together with the X-Men okay, cool. and the Avengers. Cool. So as far, really quickly, as far as this has, how is the X-Men done? So this is kind of convoluted, but bear with me. It has the second lowest second weekend in franchise history. Second lowest second weekend earnings in, in franchise history? Yes, okay. ahead of Wolverine is the only one it's ahead of. Okay. Which, I, that's word of mouth and people not going to see it again and people telling yeah. their friends, nah, don't yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, if you want to compare it to Deadpool, in the first 10 days, X-Men Apocalypse made $116.4 million. Deadpool, in the first four days, made $152.1 million. Okay, so Deadpool cleaned up. Yeah, and Deadpool didn't have uh, the 3D theaters. And it had a rated R rating. I mean, it didn't have 3D theaters. It wasn't made in 3D. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, if you want to compare it to Days of Future Past, the last X-Men movie, 
That made about 110 million the first weekend. This one made 65 mil the first weekend. Oh, so it's not wow. even doing as well as the last one. Yeah, yeah. And there are four comic book movies that opened this year, which is crazy yeah, that we're there. Nuts. It's, it's so <laughs> crazy. But X Men is doing the worst out of all of them. Wow. Worse than Batman v Superman. Superman. I mean, Batman is Batman. Yeah. It has a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, not so hot. Not so hot. It's doing really all overseas. I think that was expected. Yeah. So it's not doing badly. It's they're just, not losing money. On no, it. they're certainly not losing money. It's just not doing as well. So, Kyle, after all of this, what did you think? Uh, parts of this movie actually kind of bothered me. <laughs> How so? I just don't know that it was really that true to to the characters. There was uh, some nitpicky nerd things that that bothered me because <laughs> I am not, I'm not the biggest X Men fan, but I do really like the X Men, and they were a big part of my childhood. Uh, so what uh, what about you though? Did you like it or not? No, at all? I actually the more I walk away from it, the more I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I had a funny experience. I went in expecting it to be terrible because of the reviews. And I wanna, right when I got out, I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But you're right. Like you said, the more time between me and this movie, the more I think like, yeah, it really wasn't that good. Yeah. I, I walked away being like, that was okay. And then I, I think I hark on what bothered me. Yeah. And there was so much more that bothered me rather than what I really liked. Yeah. But we were talking about how good – we thought X2 was the second X-Men movie. Yeah. But the funny thing is, maybe now it wouldn't be that good. Yeah, I don't know that it would be. I think if this came out then... It would it, be great. It would probably be great, yeah. Yeah, because the bar hadn't been set as yeah, high. Yeah, the ante has been upped, man. Also, the last superhero movie I think both of us saw was, was Captain America Captain Civil War. Which we both really liked. Yeah, which is a great ensemble piece yeah. about superheroes. yeah. That don't always get along. Yeah. So what were some of the specifics you didn't really like about this? I am so, I've seen most of the X-Men movies. I think yeah. I've seen all of them. I haven't seen the Wolverine ones. That, that, that's it. Yeah. I'm so tired of Magneto turning from bad to good. <laughs> I think he should just pick. He just needs to pick one. Yeah. And, and just, I don't want to spoil it, but basically he's bad doesn't necessarily start bad. And what makes him bad, it was just so predictable. Yeah, yeah. And this is no knock on Michael Fassbender. He does what he, the best he can do with he that really moment. He really does, yeah. I had that, that moment you're talking about. So it's very early in the movie. Uh, Magneto, played by Michael Fassbender, is living in Poland and he's got a family. And they find out he's a mutant and these these commies with bows and arrows, you know, wooden commies, weapons. Pure commies. They're commies. No, they with these wooden weapons uh come to his house to like take him in and he's got his wife and daughter there and And, and do you want to spoil it? I'm going to spoil it. Okay. It's, it's the very beginning and you know, like and you you know that something bad's going to happen because you might Magneto in the previews doing all this yeah. nasty stuff. And you so, know what's going to happen as soon as you see the family yeah. anyway. So there's like a, a a tense moment and one of the Kami's taking Magneto in. Magneto agrees <laughs> to just go with them as long as they leave his wife By and daughter By Kami's, we mean Polish police. Polish police and under the Soviet Union. <laughs> um, so one of those Polish police officers accidentally shoots a, a bow, an arrow, like an arrow that's like half drawn. It's not even drawn all the way. This arrow is like half-ass drawn. It gets shot 
it hits Magneto's daughter in the back, and Magneto's wife is holding their daughter. And I was like, oh, man, they, oh, his daughter died. Oh, no. And then I was like, wait a minute. And you see that not only is his daughter dead, but somehow this arrow that was like half drawn <laughs> has gone through his daughter and into his wife, and they're both dead instantly. <laughs> and I laughed out loud in the theater. I was like, what is this? <laughs> the funny thing about it is, and this is a credit to Michael Fassbender, is right after that happens, you know, when he kills all the policemen with a little little uh, locket that's made of metal, it just... And he holds his wife and daughter and he cries. And I went from like laughing, being like, oh no, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, you're sad. He's sad. Like I really, I really felt it. No, he's a really good actor and he, he's proved it yeah. by making this believable <laughs> and making like you feel things. That scene, he should get some sort of award oh. for. <laughs> An Oscar. And uh, there are like some nitpicky nerd things. There's a part in the movie where Scott Summers, Cyclops, yeah, his his he, he's testing out his his uh vision his his uh blast vision, and he hits this tree, and this and it was a funny scene like it's quippy and funny and I remember like chuckling at it because it was it was like fairly well written scene but the tree's on fire, and I'm like no he doesn't have people, heat vision people. guys doesn't have heat vision. <laughs> Kyle just gets angrier and angrier in the theater. <sighs> Yeah. He's going to go Hulk on him. And this <laughs> this is, again, something that I have no control over, and it's fine. I really miss Ian McKellen. And I yeah. like I like Michael, Michael Fassbender, but I just loved him as Magneto, yeah. and he had the gravitas and, yeah, he, and X2 he was when he's breaking out of prison and just coming across his arms crossed. He's yeah, so he's like flying out awesome. of this plastic prison with and, these balls yeah. circling him like an electron. It was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> he's my Magneto. I miss I miss him. I miss that presence in the movies too. But again, I I, I need to rewatch X2 because I might rewatch it and be like, what is this joke of him? Yeah, superhero yeah, this is it true. It might not be what I, I thought it was. There's something I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's like a a some sort of really big divorce between, especially this movie and the X Men characters. And I didn't really like Days of Future Past that much either. I, I actually thought, have not enjoyed, really enjoyed any of these reboots that yeah, much. Yeah, First Class I was okay with, but Days of Future Past, which everyone really loved, I was like, eh. and this one again, I was like, Ugh. they just don't excite me. And there's something, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's a divorce between the X-Men in these movies and the X-Men from the comics, like the source material. Hmm. There's just some sort of feeling that's not there, like some sort like of magic. Like you're not capturing the essence of yeah. the X-Men comics. And I like like I like all the people in it. I don't think it's a knock on the actors or anything, because I really like all those those actors. And I thought Sophie Turner was a fine young Jean Grey. Yeah. Well, we mentioned the Phoenix earlier before. Yeah, that's another thing. Is it, uh, the this happened in X three, which is maybe one of the worst X Men movies. They even make a crack at it. I feel like in oh, in yeah. X Men Age of Apoc- or X Men Apocalypse, uh, when they're all coming out of the theater after oh, having seen the Return always, of the Jedi, yeah, yeah. and they're like, they're like, yeah, you know, the third is always the worst one. Yeah, they can make a crack at this one too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be joking with themselves. That's true too. But I feel like yeah, they they they'll try and like put the phoenix in Which these is, movies and the phoenix is a cosmic entity that is like the embodiment of thought power of all the thoughts that have been thought and that will be thought 
So it's a super powerful entity that's been around since the Big Bang, and it's going to be around when the Big Bang happens again, and, you know, like the universe is, is recreated. And through a long, I can't get into it right now because it's, it's, a, it's a really long story, but it's a great story arc. Uh, this, this cosmic entity gets uh, kind of combined and attached to Jean Grey, and it turns Jean Grey into who was probably the weakest X-Men into the easily most powerful. Right. This and, has been explained to me so many times, and I've read it, and it's still confusing to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, because in the movies, they're always like, it's like she was she was abused in her past. She's got like a split personality and something, you know, it's been inside her, and it's like the dark side of Jean. It's like, no, that's not what it is. It's really cool is what it is. It's <laughs> this awesome cosmic entity that has, has like come in and inhabited the body of Jean, and it's amazing. And I feel like they... They kind of crowbarred it into this movie a little bit. Yeah, they've never done a good job explaining it. Yeah, and they've never done a very good job explaining it. Also, um, Apocalypse's powers in this movie never really explained. I don't know what he does. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know until you told me. <laughs> yeah, he's like putting people in walls and stuff. I, I, I Well, it was know. kind of explained that he had accumulated a bunch of different mutants' powers. Yeah, yeah. It was loosely explained. Yeah. It's just seemed like a lot of the a lot of the parts of this movie were just big CG events. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think they say they put a lot of thought into the script. I believe that they did. <laughs> do you, Claire? Yeah, I do. I, I just don't think it all came together well. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, there's. I saw a lot of characters on screen with powers that I recognized but with personalities that I didn't. Oh. And I think that's the the final word on X-Men Apocalypse from you and I. <laughs> I'll I'll leave it at that. So thank you all so much for listening. Once again, I'm Kyle Willoughby. And I'm Claire White. And we are Dragons, Sexy Robots, and Adventures in Nerd Manual. We love listener feedback, so please leave a comment and feel free to contact us. Our website can be found at dsrapodcast.com. You can find me on Twitter at Klex, K-L-E-X 303. I'm at along with Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E. And you can contact our producer James at James Fowey Jr. That's James Fowey, F-O-U-H-E-Y-J-R on Twitter. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would love you to rate and review us on iTunes. Once again, this is Dragons, Sexy Robots, and Adventures, a Nerd Manual. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.